Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody. How you doing? Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Got a super, super cool episode for you today. And I know I say that a lot, but this is really, really important. And I think you're going to get a lot out of this. Just the other day, we interviewed as part of our automated wholesaling case study. It's a program that we put together and we've got a bunch of people going through it right now where we're teaching people how to set up an automated wholesaling business where, you know, it's different from virtual wholesaling. You know, virtual wholesaling, you still, you can do deals in other markets, but you still have to be the one talking to sellers, talking to buyers and closing the deals, right? Well, a few years ago, I wanted to start traveling around Europe with my family. I wanted to start traveling around the country in an RV. And um, so I asked myself, well, first of all, I wrote down all the things you have to do to wholesale a deal. And I asked myself a simple question, how can I do none of this, right? And uh, so I started thinking about this and creating systems and then subsequently went to Europe for three months, wholesaled a bunch of deals in three or four different markets in the U.S. And then uh, the, a year later, took an RV trip around the – in fact, I got that backwards. I've been to Europe four times with my family, but then I took an RV trip for three months around the northwestern corner of the U.S., got back a year later, then went to Europe for three months. But anyway – so I put together a program called Automated Wholesaling, and the coaching call that I'm going to let you listen in on here is something that we did for our coaching students that are in this case study program. And this was such a good, exciting coaching call. I was so excited about it. The audio is not going to be the best quality, but what it is, it's an interview with Melissa. Melissa is one of my students from Alabama, and about a year ago... Boy, it seems like longer than that. But we were doing a workshop in San Diego, and she was she was there with her husband. And we started working with her, and lo and behold, she starts doing a bunch of deals. And one of the things that Gavin and I did is we approached her and said, hey, listen, we would like to do more deals in this certain market. Will you help us? Will you be our boots on the ground? And she said, yeah, let's do it. And so... Also, we've been, Gavin and I have been working behind the scenes, really perfecting the auto, auto dialer cold calling strategy. Some of you have heard of it called different things, but it's basically where you, you use an auto dialer like Mojo Cells and you just cold call people who own properties. And so we've been doing that and it's been working really, really well. And one of the things that we're doing in this case study is teaching and showing people how to wholesale a bunch of deals virtually in other markets uh, without doing any direct mail. We're doing straight up simple cold calling. And in this interview that we did with Melissa, we talk about how we do it and what we do it. And uh, you're going to get a lot out of this because you're going to find um, I think most importantly, when you're looking to partner with somebody in another market, what to look for. Or if you're that person who is actually the one who's talking to sellers and negotiating deals, who you need to be and what you need to do to wholesale a lot of deals. The reason why we've been able to wholesale so many deals with Melissa, and it's north of 20-something deals in the last four months. And we, by the way, we spent less than $500 in marketing per deal on average. And this is when most investors around the country on at a minimum are spending two or three grand in marketing per deal. We're spending about 500. Uh, but the reason why we're able to do that is because Melissa is a follow-up beast. She follows up relentlessly with sellers, okay? You're going to get a lot out of this interview to listen to Listen to Melissa, how she does it, why we're able to do so many deals. It's amazing. It's inspiring. It's exciting. I'm super pumped. But I wanted to also kind of lead into this podcast and let you guys know, if you want to work with us like we're working with Melissa, and if you want to do deals with us in your own market or in different markets, we'd love to talk with you. Uh, this is not about coaching or mentoring. Gavin and I are looking to partner with more and more people around the country doing deals like this in other parts of the country. So 
If you're interested in this, I have a simple website, coachjoe.net, coachjoe.net. If you go there, there's a video of me and Gavin talking about what we're doing and what the qualifications are, what we will do for you, what you will do for us, what we're expecting. And check that out. There's some information about the program. Again, it's not coaching and mentoring, but there is some coaching and mentoring involved, just like we did with Melissa. And if you're interested in that, tell us a little bit about you. Go to that website. Tell us a little bit about you, and we'll get on the phone, see if we're a good fit. And it's I'm excited. I'm excited about this. I want to do more deals, and that's really kind of what this is all about. That's why I do the podcast. It's why I do the coaching and why I do the teaching. It's um, to help you do deals and also to help, you know, I want to do more deals too. <laughs> okay. So listen to this interview. I hope you get a lot out of it. I know you will. Again, go to coachjoe.net if you're interested in working with us and we'll set up your business, set up your systems, schedule out your marketing and work with you one-on-one doing deals in your market. All right. Here's the interview, guys. Thanks a lot. I'm excited about this. This is our uh, weekly group coaching call for the automated wholesaling case study. And we have a special, special guest on the call today. Melissa. How you doing, Melissa? I'm good. It was a year ago, we were just talking about this, a year ago that you were at a workshop that Gavin and I did in San Diego. It feels like way longer than a year ago, but I'll take your word for it. And uh, you were there because this was your husband's thing. It just tell us what you were just saying there. It was funny. <laughs> Yeah, Gavin's heard this before. Um, yeah, I really wanted nothing to do with real estate. Like, it was Carrie's gig. You know, it was all good. I was there to be a supportive wife, and I wanted to go to San Diego. Okay. So, I went. Honestly, didn't pay that much attention. But he got so covered up. He's like, please help me. And so, I decided just to kind of jump in and help him a little bit, make a few calls, and... I think that was probably around September. I closed the first one at the end of October, first of November. So what were you doing? Like, How were you doing? I know, but were you doing your own direct mail and all that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Lots of direct mail because we jumped in with both feet, not having a clue what we were doing. Spent a lot of money doing that, not knowing that we were going to be bombarded with leads. And that's when Carrie begged for mercy. So I jumped in, closed a deal within about a month to six weeks, and then this I is was in like, Birmingham, Alabama, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so then I was like, "Hey, I can do this," and so then I just kind of took off. I'm sorry. Yeah. Awesome. Said, so within a month to six weeks, you did your first deal. Mm-hmm. Nice. Because yeah. I just to chime in, from when we sat down in San Diego, I didn't actually talk to Carry On Boxer. I was only dealing with you on Voxer the whole time before we were even obviously partnering or doing any of that. You know, you just as in a client learning the business, not knowing what you were doing, but just taking massive action to get results. I Um, love that. You know, literally having a call like, I don't know what I'm doing. We used to have calls and you would say, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I've just got another contract. (laughs) Yeah. Now what do I do with it? Yeah. You don't need to know. Let's get the contract first. That is so awesome. This was literal, I didn't know a thing. Like, I paid very little attention in San Diego. Had a ton of notes, didn't know what they meant. But then Carrie was like, I need help. I'm like, all right, well, I'll do something. And I did. And here we are. Yeah, you quit your job in three months. Yeah, I did that first deal. I think it was the first week in November. And I talked to you by January. And February, I quit my job. Yeah, <laughs> so, that was pretty huge. A few pushes. <laughs> just a few. Just a few. I had a good salary and benefits. It was hard to give up. But now I look back at it and go, geez, why didn't I do that sooner? And, like, it's crazy. So, really, I've doubled my take-home pay in the last four months. A year's take-home pay in the last four months. Yeah, that's awesome. It's amazing. And now the next one is to get Carrie out of the job. Yes. Your husband, which is, I think, doable faster than you guys, but that's <laughs> a different, it's a work in progress. Yeah, yeah. My wife just texted me. I think she meant to text my son, but did you say you made a year's salary in how long? Four months. Double your yeah. 
net annual salary? Not my gross salary, my take-home pay. I doubled my take-home pay in four months. Yeah. Four months, not four years, right? <laughs> four months. That is so awesome. But now Gavin was telling me that the whole time. It's going, you're going to, you're going to. And I'm like, man, going to happen, dude. Not going to happen. And it, yeah. it kind of did. Like, I was shocked. But now, of course, I believe it. So I'm working hard to blow it up and get Carrie's income taken care of. Awesome. All right. So we, Melissa graciously agreed to be on this coaching call because she is the reason, really, why we are doing these deals in Alabama and uh, Mississippi. And uh, we wanted to talk with her and ask her some questions. You guys have been, you've heard us talk about it. We've, you've been following us in the last three or four months. We've done 20, 24 deals, 25 deals in Alabama. We're just now starting to do a couple deals in Jackson, Mississippi. Mm-hmm. We've got one or two properties under contract now, right, Melissa? Two. Two. And how two. long have we been at it? Ten days, Gavin, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, not been and and it's not really been a smooth ride, you know, with the yeah. VAs and stuff. Like I don't know. I feel really bad. I had to share the pictures with Melissa this morning. Well, the VA obviously is a, it's renowned sometimes of all oh, I've got no internet, the electric's off, we've had bad storms, blah blah blah. Well they they really have had bad weather. So I was talking to one of the VAs yesterday that was showing me pictures of the house and it's completely underwater inside, like three or four feet underwater. Mm-hmm. And she worked yesterday and I said, How are you working if you've got no electric? Mm-hmm. She got a little boat, a rowing boat. It took two hours to get to the office to work. Are you kidding me? I'm not. I'm not kidding. I, I was like, look, I'm so sorry because I don't, because I'm like, where are you on Monday? Like, no one communicated with me. No one showed up. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> you know, and I'm like, oh, sorry, sir. We've had some bad weather. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we've heard that one before. <laughs> and they truly had. So, what, but the point was is that we've not really, we've been in this 10 days. I would say at this point, I would probably say we've had 15 hours on the dialer for VAs. Only 15. 15 hours. We've had 24 leads come in. And with what we think we will get by the end of the week, we're thinking probably five contracts by the end of the week, nice. which is ridiculous numbers. And I don't want to lure anyone into like it happens that fast because mm-hmm. Alabama for us took five weeks to get the first contract. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously we're more seasoned now. And we can go in a lot more aggressive, a lot more confident, especially with the negotiations. And I think, Melissa, you would agree that, you know, that's been huge on your part. You've always been good at communicating, right? Having a conversation. So then as you hone the skills in, you're just getting obviously ridiculously good. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So Melissa is the the wholesaler that we take the pre-screened leads from cold calling and send them in through Podio, we send them to Melissa. And so Melissa, we're going to ask you a bunch of questions about like, how do you handle that lead? You know, what do you do with those leads when they come in and stuff like that? Okay. Um, I want to tell you guys quick, a, a little story here. I'm with one, one of our coaching clients right now, Walter. You want to say hi, Walter? Hi everybody. <laughs> and that's Sheila. Hi, Sheila. Hi, Sheila. Hi. Nice how you doing? So anyway, um, we're working with Walter today, and he's in the Detroit area, north of Michigan. And I was showing him how to find good wholesalers and uh, to work with, because we're going to be setting up something really similar with him in Michigan right now. So I was showing him how to find good local wholesalers, and I was telling him, you need to find somebody that is can answer the phones, or if you leave them a voicemail, they return calls right away. They're proactive. We go to Craigslist. I just go to real estate by owner. I find a wholesaler that's advertising there. And Walter says, let's just call him right now. I said, okay, why not? We call the guy up and guess what? He answers the phone. That's awesome. And I, and I, I said, I tell Walter, well, let's talk to him and I'll, I'll show you how it's done. Well, anyway, I start talking to him. And when he finds out my name, he knows who I am. Like immediately. I blew my cover. I forgot. I shouldn't have said my last name. But anyway, um, he's like, oh, Joe McCall, I know you. But the cool thing was... This guy is, I like him a lot. Now, Walter's going to meet him next Monday back in Detroit. 
but um, he, uh, he he's he's a, he's ambitious. He's answering the phones live from Craigslist ads, mm-hmm. which is amazing in and of itself. Immediately, he sent a text to Walter, following up, asking, "Hey, when can we meet?" He exchanged phone numbers, and I just love seeing that proactive thing with him already. I mean, we don't know him yet. Walter hasn't met him yet. But I bet you a glass of iced tea that he's going to be at that meeting on time with Walter and probably beat him there and get, him, get there early. And we just were telling him what we're doing. He said, hey, listen, we're going to start doing some marketing up in Detroit. Walter doesn't have the time to work the leads. We'll pre-screen the leads. We're looking for somebody on the ground who can work the leads and flip them. And he thought that was a fantastic idea. He loved that idea. It's exactly what he needs. He's done a couple deals already. You can tell he's good with people, and you can tell that uh, he has some sales experience already with his financial advisor background, you know. So he still has a full-time job, but he's got a lot of free time where he can handle leads quickly. So just like that, in our first call, we found a good, potentially good wholesaler. And it was funny, but one of the things that Walter said, well, that was great beginner's luck or something like that, right? Or what luck was that? And well, it's not really because it was lucky because we started taking some action. We started taking some steps and Walter wasn't like, okay, well, I'll start calling when I get home. He was like, no, let's call him right now. And I reluctantly agreed. I said, okay. And we're so glad we did. But um, one of the, one of the first things that Walter is going to do when he gets back is start calling other wholesalers to find maybe some more that he could potentially work with. Um, So Melissa, I want to ask you, um, and maybe you too, Gavin, why has it worked so well with Melissa? What about Melissa makes her a good wholesaler to work with, like what we're doing here and what we're teaching in the automated wholesaling case study? Gavin, why don't you answer first? Yeah, okay. And then so you I, can answer, Melissa. You got to tell us what makes you so awesome. <laughs> How about that? The first thing, um, again, let's back up from when we started. You didn't know you know a whole lot what you were doing um but you took action so an action taker obviously massive action taker and the other big big thing is communication okay now i was in a meeting with a couple of investors last week in phoenix and i laughed because i said (laughs) it didn't work uh but i said i'll bet you a hundred dollars and they didn't take me up on it if i call melissa she will answer her phone and i did call and at the time, she didn't, but within about 30 seconds, she called me back and they let me off. <laughs> um, because the communication is obviously key. So the big thing is, is that we know exactly from deal to deal what's going on just through Voxer. Um, so I am constantly communicating with how are the leads? You know, are they good? Do we need more? Do we did this list? And she would say, well, look, you know, this, these leads are much better now than what they were. Like what's changed? Well, I've had a new list. We've gone this. Okay, so we need to. So I'm constantly playing around with the list and the numbers. Um, but what Melissa does fantastic is that I don't have to micromanage what's going on. So she doesn't take time away from me by saying, Melissa, why haven't you called these leads yet? Or Melissa, why have you got no tasks? Like, why haven't you been following up? Or Melissa, why haven't you made an offer yet? When I talked to Melissa, she said, I've been on the phone all day. We've made 15 offers today. I've talked and talked and talked. We should be getting two contracts back. And that's how the conversation goes. So that's what you need someone, like Joe just said, with the Michigan market, someone that's enthusiastic that's going to do the work. It doesn't matter if they've done 50 deals or not. You've got to have someone that can have a conversation. And Melissa will say, I don't understand why people can't do the business because they won't pick up one of these. Yeah. You know? And the guy's answered his phone. And I know Walter's standing there, it's beginner's luck, but he does not realize how important that is. Like we are trying to track down in Phoenix right now a hedge fund that buys in Alabama. And I have four different contacts and four different emails. And between three of us, we cannot get these people on the phone. And they want to do deals. I mean, they're the acquisitions guys for this company that's supposed to buy hundreds of yeah. properties a month. They won't answer the phone. It's just absolutely madness. So you can't have the person that's not communicating. So Melissa is awesome at just driving the ship on her own. She doesn't need to be managed. And she just makes offers and talks to people and focuses well, what makes the money, which is that. Yeah. yeah. So anyway. Sounds, sounds simple. Melissa, what would you say? How, do, how does somebody find somebody like you? 
Gavin asked me all, all the time, I need another you. Find me a you. I'm like, I don't know. I think my thing is I've been, it's funny because even Carrie will say, pick at me about because I talk all the time and I do. I'm a people person. I like people and I like to talk to people. And I say all the time, I can BS, you know, all day long, but it's really not that. It's really just talking to people. And if you, you know, and remembering things and taking notes. So when I call them and talk to them the first time and they said their dog just broke their leg or whatever, when I call them back in a few days, how's your dog? I mean, it's just real simple. It's not, it's about caring about who they are. I never, ever asked them about the property right off the bat, mm -hmm. ever. Yeah. So I was like, hey, how you doing? How's your day? What's going on? And, you know, if they know I'm calling about the house, then we'll talk about that. Well, you know, why are you wanting to sell it? It's a pretty good looking house or is it a family property, distress, whatever. And they'll just talk. Uh, it's really just about talking. And the thing that made a difference for us is, of course, we were dumping a lot of money in marketing. Um, but the thing that we were missing was really the automation of all of it. So that's what Gavin has really given me is like, all the automation, the systems in place. So really now what I get to do is what I like to do. And that's just mm -hmm. talk to people. And other than that, you know, just learn your market. Yeah. It's really. I want to ask you about that. Can we close? <clears throat> that's a little better, isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, I want to know, I, I want to ask you about that, Melissa. You, how well do you know the Birmingham market? First of all. Well, now I know it really well. When I started, I didn't know a thing. Carrie will tell you, I'm directionally challenged. Okay. Uh, I'm terrible with it, and I still am. Don't tell me to go east or west or whatever. I need a right or left. But I've learned these zip codes by heart. Uh, I can talk about them all day. And after we did a few deals, it made sense. Okay, well, now I got it. And it's just really... Learning the zip codes, I've got several zip codes over here that are split. Literally, one side of the road is great, other side of the road you don't want to be in. Yeah. Um, okay. You have to just learn your market. You got to look. You can't solely rely on comps. You really need to get out, have someone out if you can't do it, and really just kind of learn what it looks like. Yeah. And how did you learn the zip codes that were good and the zip codes that were bad? Talk about that process a little bit. Yeah, we Carrie and I, what Gavin call it? Pray and pray. Yeah, we did that when we marketed. So we learned the hard way. You know, we got hundreds and hundreds of calls in war zone areas. And I learned real quick uh, where we did not want to be because, you know, it was just really a matter. It's probably this way everywhere. People wanted $20,000 for a $2,000 house. So we learned it by default. Okay. We marketed there and it didn't work. Did you, how do you find your buyers, the people that you're wholesaling these houses to? How do you find them? Uh, a lot of times in the beginning, I would look at Zillow and would find properties that was similar to mine. And then I would just look to see who bought them. If I needed to, I would go to the county records and just pull to see who bought it. We, we go to the RIA. I don't go as much now as I used to go, but um, go to the RIA groups and just Talk to people. It's the same thing in your sellers. Just keep talking. Just just explain a little bit, actually. We had a big mind shift uh, with talking to buyers and the control. Uh, yeah. We had to work on. Yeah. Um, you know, when we got, and this was not me being, I, I don't want to sound arrogant but in the way that I said it, but when we talked, I said, we're here as in the conversation. We're here to take over, and you will see these buyers change mm -hmm. as we do deals from what they think of you now. And then when we take over control, how they're going to act. So just explain when we went through that motion. You don't have to name the buyer in particular. I won't, because he's a great buyer. Uh, yeah, I had one buyer that really was a, or is a good buyer in town, but he didn't take me seriously. And, you know, the fact of the matter is we're in the South. It's just different for women down here. So I fought that battle a little bit. But I'm pretty um, in-your-face aggressive anyway, so I wasn't going to take that. But he just really it would not take me seriously. And we had a little bit of a run-in, and I just said, nope, that's just not how that's going to work. <laughs> like, this is what we're going to do. And as soon as I, you know, kind of pushed back a little bit, then he was like, oh, okay. And now he's like, 
great. I saw him, you know, a few days ago and he's like, I want to do more with you. Like, what do you do? Where are you going? What market are you in? I want to follow you. And he tells everybody, you know, I'm like the best wholesaler around here. I can't tell you the people that I get call me that he said I should call you. Really? Great. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. I get messages all day, referrals from he and other buyers around town. Um, So you just got to stay. You have people coming to you saying, Melissa, I, okay, good, good. Um, I, um, I was going to say, so you have your, you have these buyers now in Jackson and in Birmingham who are telling you what they're looking for, right? They're telling you, Hey, we want, we were looking for properties in this price range in these areas that rent for this amount, right? Yes, absolutely. I have one particular buyer here in Alabama who tells me all of the time, you know what I want, just find me some properties. I need four properties by the end of the month. Find me some properties. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's not the only one, but he does do that regularly. Are these local buyers, by the way? Yes. Okay. Yes. And um, or do you find that they are realistic with their prices or is it pretty easy to find properties at the prices they're looking for? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's a problem at all. They're very realistic about it. I have a few buyers that, you know, want to be, and you just learn that, that you want to, they want to come in lower than everybody else. Uh, And again, it's just like talking to people. You just have to fill them out and figure out what they want and, we're working on a lot now as well is when we're talking with the buyers, we're trying to actually get them into bidding wars to do final and best offer. Um, and this is really important. And this is something that, you know, we're getting better at is that if a buyer is known for coming in low, if he wants to then lose the deal and then offer more, we're not giving him the deal because he needs to learn final and best offer. Like, we mean final and best offer. And this happens a couple of times before they get, okay, I need to do final and best offer. A few of the guys in Phoenix are very good at this. And then it's just control again. You know, we told you the final and best offer. We're not here to go back and forth 50 times. We haven't got time. We're doing a lot of deals. And um, we're seeing that as well, aren't we? That people are starting to give their final and best offer. Yes, yes. We actually are not doing business at this very moment with one buyer just because of that. Yeah. You know, they got all upset about it. And I'm just like, what are you going to do? So she thinks that we need her more than she needs us. But I've got enough buyers now. That's just not the case. Like, I'm just not even going to call you. You will be the last one that gets into a property. Um, And I don't, you know, that's not to be mean. It's just that they cause me issues. It's just, it's just control in the right way. You know, it's, uh, Just make your offer that you're going to pay. Don't know that it's worth this and try and get us on by offering 5000 less because you don't think what we're doing. It's just not going to fly. So, yeah, and it's the same thing with making offers. You know, I can't continue to go back and forth and back and forth. Like, in the beginning, I did market things too high just because I didn't know. Um, but my good buyers did come to me and go, you know, you're really too high on that. And that was early on and in the beginning. And so I think everybody does that. You know, yeah. it's just hard. You you think you can go in and make, you know, $20,000 a deal. And it's different in every area, but it's hard to do here in Birmingham. Cool. I got some more questions for you, Melissa. Okay. Um, can you talk a little bit about how you manage the leads when they come in? The VA pre-screens them, puts them into Podio. You get notified. The way, and correct me guys if I'm wrong, but we don't want the VAs to do too much pre-screening, right? We don't want the VAs to make a soft pass offer or ask the seller what price they want for the house. We just want to get a seller that wants to sell their house and then we send that lead to them. Yeah, and so when I get them in Podio, because I've learned the market, I'll look at them. One, I look to see where the zip code's at. Uh, I read the notes that the VA puts in there. How many bedrooms? How many baths? What do they think needs to be done to it in terms of rehab, which is always wrong, by the way. Um, and then I just look at it. I'll pull it up on uh, Zillow. I'll pull it up on Google Maps real quick just to kind of put my eyes on it, and then I'll just call them. Yeah. Uh, for, in my mind, I just want to kind of see what's going on around them um, so that if they start pushing – you know, and while I've got them on the phone, if I need to make an offer right there while I've got them on the phone, then I can make something reasonable. Um, 
So you look at comps, what active properties are listed for, and what sold properties recently? I don't look at uh, MLS at all. That will trip you up badly if you're okay. trying to wholesale. So I'll look at Zillow. And right. if you get 90% of the properties are selling for $5,000 and you've got two that sold for 50000 those 50000 are probably retail or some crazy whatever. The majority of them rules. So I know that I'm probably going to be somewhere in that ballpark. And I try to go in really low first. I mean, obviously, you want it as low as you can get it. And then if they push back, I'm, I'm usually like, well, let me get my assessment person to go look at it. Uh, and then if we can do better, we will. It's just going to depend on the condition. And then I'll send somebody else to look at it. The, most of these deals, they're rental properties, right? They're, we're selling these to landlords or we're selling them to fix and flippers. Both. Okay. Yeah. You'd not done any rentals before we started to work together, right? I think they've come more. They were all flips before I start, before we started, yeah. 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 So what, where do you think the sweet spot is, Melissa? Is it the rental properties for the landlords or the nicer, higher properties for the rehabbers? Does that make sense? Oh, turnkey all day. Yeah, that's where your money's going to be. You just right. got to find that good number. And when you, I want everybody to know when, when we say turnkey, we're talking about the 50, 75, $5,000 rental properties that landlords are buying rent out right yeah yeah so no matter what market you're in you want to find out where those properties are at where are those right landlords buying those properties yeah right because they're looking at long term you know they're not looking where flips you know they're trying to make a quick buck on that quick but quicker than that um, yeah. but those are harder you know the flip properties are more difficult to find um mm -hmm. You know, the margins are real tight and they're looking at, you know, more criteria than the turnkeys, but they just want to put somebody in there that'll rent. So are these buyers that are buying them, are they holding them for themselves mainly? Are they are they turnkey companies that are selling them turnkey to other investors out of state? My primary buyer does both. He has his own rental company and he sells them out of state. It just depends, I guess, on where he's at and what funds he has available, just a bunch of different things. He's told me. Um, but he does both. Yeah, we were talking about that with Walter here today. You know, you want to make sure you're not working with a wholesaler that says, I want to wholesale deals in the $200,000 neighborhoods. Because those are, yeah, everybody wants to wholesale deals there. Mm -hmm. But the, the chances of you finding a motivated seller there are really, really small compared to finding a motivated seller who's most likely a landlord, a tired landlord in a mm -hmm. rental area. It's much higher. It's much bigger. Right? Yeah. So you you don't want a wholesaler that's telling you, um, I only want to wholesale deals in the nice areas. That's just that's going to be make. It's just going to be very difficult. Yeah. yeah. Melissa, can you talk about um, how do you keep track of everything in Podio, or do you? Do you have another place you keep track of your notes and your follow up tasks, or what do you do in Podio? No, I put everything in Podio. Generally, while I'm talking to them, or as soon as I hang up, I'm putting it in Podio. I do have a notebook right here beside me, so if they're talking real fast, I'm making real quick notes. But when I hang up, I just stick the notes in Podio. Plus, I immediately do follow-up. I turn around and mark it right then. You know, if they're not ready to do it, whatever, I'll set the follow-up. And I put a timer on mine. For me, that's crucial, because if you don't put a timer on it, you're going to get some random notification at midnight or 12.01 in the morning you're going to get up at whatever time in the morning. You're not going to go back and look at 50 emails. But if I put a time on there, like I'll set most of my follow-up starting at 9 o'clock in the morning. I typically don't call anybody before 9 a.m. We're in the South. It's going to sound ugly. But people just, so, uh, I don't want to start. I don't want to make people mad. So I'll start setting my timers like at 9 o'clock in the morning. And so about 9 o'clock in the morning, my email's going ding, 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 ding. And then all I got to do is click on my task and I can see what all I've got to start calling at nine o'clock. So you're setting a due date and a due time yep. for these tasks in Podio. I've never heard of anybody doing that. I use the time because, you know, if I get somebody at nine o'clock in the morning, uh, they're typically going to be older people that are at home. But if I call them back and I can't get them, 
and they're probably working people. So I want to set a timer to call them after five o'clock. So I'll call from five to seven to give people time to get home. It's just different. Like you've just got to, you know, if I try once or twice and I can't get them in the morning, then they're probably evening people. So I'll set the timer to ding me to call them at five or six o'clock. And what most you, of the time I'll get them. What do you do when you call some, you get the timer dings and you call them and you get their voicemail. What is your procedure? I don't leave a voicemail. Okay. Um, don't let, there's a rare occasion that I will, if I've already been talking to them and they're friendly and they're motivated I will leave them a voicemail because I know they're going to want to talk to me. But otherwise, I don't leave a voicemail. Uh, I just let them wonder who's calling. Eventually, they're going to pick up the phone. Yeah. Sometimes it takes 10 times to call them before they get tired of me calling and they'll answer the phone. So you call, get a voicemail, you just hang up. Do you write yourself a task to call them again the next day or later that day? I don't write anything. Everything's, I use those timers and Podio. If I write anything down, it would never get done. Well, that's what I meant. You're, you're typing it. Oh yeah, I just yeah, I just I just set a task in Podio to call them back the next day or two days or the next day to call them at five o'clock in the evening instead of nine o'clock in the morning. Or sometimes, if I try them in the morning and I try them in the evening, I don't get them. Then I'll set it for Saturday. So okay, well you're probably working or you're not answering the phone because you're feeding the kids, cooking dinner, or whatever. So I'll call you on Saturday. Saturday morning about ten o'clock, you're going to be there. If they tell you on the phone, I don't want to sell. What do you do with that lead? I just tell them I appreciate you talking to me and have a great day. And then I put a follow-up and I call them back anyway. And it just depends on that. What you just hold, that is so amazing what you just said. And it's so simple, but so many people don't do it. Yeah. This is the kind of wholesaler you want to work with. Most people would just put that lead in the wood pile. Right. But Melissa creates a task to follow up with them again. At like how much longer? It just it just depends on how grumpy they are with me, honestly. Like if they're just really not motivated, just wasn't having a good day or whatever, I'll call them back in a week or so. And then in a week or so, when I talk to them, if they're a little more ill with me, I'll actually call them back in a month. Some of them, like I, one of the first deals we did, I talked to that guy six months prior, and he was not going to sell me that house. He wasn't going to do it. And I called him a few times. Still wasn't interested, and so I started texting his wife. His wife kept saying, well, you're going to have to talk to my husband. Well, what's your husband's phone number? So I started texting the husband, and eventually the husband told me in the house. Um, so, yeah, I just keep following up. Unless somebody literally tells me, go away, don't ever call me again. I'm calling the Better Business Bureau. I, they always get called back. Now, it may be a few months down the road to give them time to forget my number, forget who I was, but I'm going to call them back. That's and awesome. sometimes I'll have somebody else call them back for me. Like, I'll have Jeremy, the guy that helps us move property. I'll have Jeremy call them. Like, you know what? They know my name. They know my phone number. Don't tell them you're with me. Just call them. And you'll call them. Yeah. So. And the mindset's very, the mindset's awesome because we'll talk sometimes and she was, I'll say, oh, how, you know, I was the lead like yesterday. And she'll say something like, oh, he was crazy. He wants too much, but we'll get him eventually. Yeah. And that's the key. We'll get him eventually. So yeah. the mindset is we're going to close everybody eventually. If that property is going to be sold, okay, and tell me if I'm wrong, but we have not yet, as I know of, lost a deal that we have worked from start to finish since we worked together. We've not had someone like, oh, I've sold it to someone else. Not one. Mm -mm. We even had one buyer that was taking pictures of direct mail and sending <laughs> them, saying, hey, we've received another one. We've got another one. And he yeah. wasn't calling them. He said, I've told you I want to work with you guys. Yeah. Yeah, he did do that. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's really just about, honestly, it's really all about just talking to people. Like, and this is going to sound kind of maybe arrogant, but just make them like you. Like, that's all you got to do. Don't make them feel like you're trying to buy their house. You know, make them feel like you're somebody they want to talk to if you run into them in Walmart. And so that's just kind of the way I approach it. And I have buyers tell me and other people tell me all the time, like, how do you do that? And I'm like, you know what? It's okay. Eventually they will talk to me. And if they don't, it's okay. It's one house. You just move on to the next one. You can't get hung up on one. But so far I've not had that problem. Do you ever ask them if they don't want to sell that house? You know, do you have any other houses you want to sell? <laughs> I pretty much always say, well, okay, so here's what you do. If you get them talking, 
they're going to tell you if they have other property. Like I was talking to a lady the other day and she's like, well, I really don't want to sell this other property. I have about 15 rental properties and I'm just not sure that I want to sell any of them. I was like, well, 15 is a lot. Um, you sure you don't want to sell any of them? And she's like, well, I might eventually. Well, well, where are they? And I'll just go ahead and look at them. And she's like, okay. And she said, I'll tell you what, I'll email you the addresses. So she emailed me the addresses and I looked at them and I emailed her back. And I'm like, well, I'd be interested in whenever you're ready to sell them. And I'm still talking to her. Mm-hmm. So you just have to listen and talk to them. But yeah, I have asked that before. Well, if you don't want to sell that one, do you have any more? Well, we have one of the first deals we did. He's got 100 doors. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 100. Yeah. And he's not working with anyone else. Yeah. So, and I'm still talking to him. So we closed six. Two. Yeah. Maybe six of those. I still have two that I'm working. And I, a week or so ago, he said, you know, I've got a, a lot of other properties. And when we finish these, we need to start working on those. So there's more coming. It reminds me, Gavin, just I forget who this was. I feel so bad. Um, he was telling us just a month or two months ago, maybe three months ago, he texted the seller, hey, I like this house, you know, that you have on Craigslist or whatever. You wouldn't be interested in selling it, would you? The seller responded back to the text, no, I'm not interested. But the, the wholesaler, our student, called him anyway and said, hey, listen, I know you said you don't want to sell this house, but I love this area. Is there anything I can do to help you change your mind? Anything I can say to help you change your mind? And uh, he started opening the conversation, and uh, within that conversation, he finds out that he has more properties, and within a few days, he's got five of them? Is that what yeah. he told us? Yeah, Clive from Australia, yeah. Nice. Five lease five. options. Nice. Five lease options under contract, and the seller said no, mm-hmm. because he was persistent following up. That's awesome. Melissa, I want to ask you, um, you don't go actually look at the homes anymore. I think you used to, Right. Why did you stop doing that, and um, what do you do now? Well, two reasons I stopped doing it. One, because we had marketed where we did, I didn't want to die soon. So they were areas, and my husband was like, please stop going over there. (laughs) I was going anyway, but, yeah. So I stopped, one, it carries urging, but two, we have somebody to help us. I don't have time to go look at property, and plus I don't need to look at the property. Like, it's really not – I can make an offer – And then if it's not dead on, once we get it looked at, then I just renegotiate it. Like, I don't ever get a contract that I don't go back and renegotiate it, ever. So, like, we had one the other day that I got it on a contract for $30,000. When I had somebody go out and look at it, it was an absolute disaster. I couldn't do anything with it. I went back and got. I told the seller, I'm like, I can't do anything with it. If you'll let me have it for 15, I can move it. He's like, okay. So... I got him down to 15, and it just took one phone call. Nice. And, it just went and we moved it. It went to closing yesterday. For 28. Yeah, 28. So when you do renegotiate the contracts, usually it's because it's in worse shape than you thought it was? Yeah. Yeah. And there are times when I will go in high just to get the, a little high to get the contract because my contract is good and I have outs in it. So that way I can get it locked up. And then I can go back and renegotiate it from there. And, and normally that's not, only a couple of thousand Yeah, as well. It's, yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's not 15,000. It's unusual for me to renegotiate down 15,000. But um, and, and you're within that contingency period, right? Right. Good. Yeah. Just to add real quick on what we were just talking about, the way that we actually had this set up originally was I was going to have somebody in the middle that was going to pre-screen them after the VA to try and get contracts. And you were going to go out on the appointments and notice the buyers and close them. And then when we talked, I was like, look, we're missing the boat here. Like you're the best on the phone. So we're taking that away. It does not make any sense. Um, And then I said, you can work from anywhere at that point. Like you're not tied to Alabama. So you want to go to Hawaii for a week? Like it doesn't matter. So, and you already had Jeremy you were working with. So then that's when he's, fit into actually moving it just showing it getting pictures showing the buyers and then all of a sudden when your time was taken away from that we were getting a lot more contracts oh yeah because it takes a lot of time to go and look at a property and you know do those assessments so yeah I'm better on the phone and I like being on the phone and it's funny that you said you can do it from anywhere because we went to the beach what 
at the end of May. And the first day I was there, I said, well, I'm going to work for an hour, Gavin. And you were like, well, you don't have to. I'm like, well, I know, but I'm just going to work for it. Like, I can't not do it now. So I worked for literally 20 minutes, probably got a contract, sent it DocuSign, got it signed, sent it to Jeremy. And it was like sold by the end of the day. I think I did all that while I was at the beach. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so Melissa, um, this guy, Jeremy, what does he do for you? Can you explain that again? Okay, so I will have him go out and look at the property and get pictures, do the initial assessment so that we can kind of see what condition it's in. Um, And then after that, once I have the contract, I hand it to Jeremy and say, here, market this property. He markets to all of our buyers. How does Um, he do that? Do what? How does he market it to your buyers? Uh, he texts, he phone calls, he emails, he'll do a mail blast. We're in the local RIA group. He'll post it in there. Um, he has posted in some of the online social places, but that has become more of a headache than it was just staying with our local buyers. And so we've stopped doing that. That's it. He just blasts it out. He, and he goes to the RIAs and he networks and he meets all the buyers and he talks to them and finds out what they want. So text, calls, and emails. If you don't mind me as asking, what is your uh, payment agreement with him? We're paying him 15% of our profit off the top. Okay. Uh, and it's worth it because yeah. I don't have to deal with it. Like, And now I, we just recently got him started working on closings because I was a paralegal for 30 years prior to that. So Gavin knows that was hard for me to give up control. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I still have problems with that. But we just recently started turning that over to Jeremy. So he will email our attorney. I've closed enough that I have a good relationship with our attorney. He emails the attorney. He copies me on it, sends him the contract, the assignment, says set it for closing. And then he'll be handling it from here on out. And so I pick up a check or have it mailed to me or wired or wherever I want. And this is the first one he's taken while it just yeah. went closing. Yeah, nice. yeah. So we'll see. Like I said, that's the harder part for me to give up is uh, the control part because I am a little bit of a control freak. But um, yeah, but it's going to be good because closings take a lot of time, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of paperwork and a lot of little minute missing pieces here and there. So it's good that Jeremy's going to be doing that. And I've pulled him in on the last couple. Uh, so he has a clue, but he is copying me on everything. And so I can just kind of keep my eyes on it. For the first few, and then, you know, tell me when the check's ready. Nice. All right, so listen, we're coming towards the end of this, guys, and um, want to know from you all if you have any questions for Melissa. Gavin, do you have any other questions? I made a list myself, and we got through them all. Okay. Uh, do you have any anything you want to say, Melissa or Gavin? Go ahead. Well, yeah, well, I just wanna, you, you, you carry on. Yeah, well, I was just going to say to everybody that's in the group, you know, I know it all can seem very daunting and scary, and I don't know what the heck I'm doing, and it's okay. It's fine. I didn't have a clue what I was doing, but working with Gavin and Joe has been phenomenal, especially y'all putting all the systems in place. I was going to ask, that was my question. Why would you partner with us on deals? Why would you do that? Why not just There's no way I would have gotten this many clothes without you because... I just didn't know. It's like the automation and the systems that has saved me. Like I would still be trying to pre-screen leads, call leads, get contracts, send them back and forth, find buyers. I mean, I just didn't know. Um, And, you know, when you've come in and you've put VAs in place and the leads coming in, the list, you know, being going and these kept traced and having them pre-qualified. And so now I'm in the position of doing what I do best. Um, So, yeah, I just, I mean, I don't know what I would have been doing. I probably would have stopped by now, honestly. Yeah, well, because it was, it was overwhelming. At, it was at that time you were super overwhelmed. Yes, I was very, very overwhelmed. I was working from like 6 o'clock in the morning to like 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night trying to handle sending out contracts, looking at leads, who do I need to call, who do I not need to call, how the heck am I going to make this offer? Anyway, it was just, it was very overwhelming. And and now, you know, it's still work. It's obviously you still got to do it, but I can do it from anywhere. And I know those leads that are coming in have been pre-screened and 
you know, it's all good. Yeah, it's it's the bomb. Like I would not change that at all. All right. So um, I don't know if we have any more questions here. I don't. We got one in Zoom, and it's from Peter. He says, "How did you finally decide the best zip code to work in Birmingham?" I'll I'll give my answer, and, and Melissa, you can add to this. It just comes from understanding the market and talking, finding out what your buyers want. Is that right? That's all of it. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, that's all of it. Once you market to the few wrong zip codes and you can't find buyers or you're, I mean, it's just a disaster. So you'll find that out real quick. It's just a, just do it. You just got to do it. And I want to add a couple of things for, for Mississippi on that. Like what Joe's very good at is more market research. Like Joe's very good at doing the market research. I'm probably a bit more like, let's just go and do it like, and figure it out. So we pick these zip codes, bearing in mind, these deals were only in three zip codes in Mississippi at the minute. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that was just a bit of back and forth. And we started to market. I think I might've already said this in another video. We started to market to a state where we can't actually get any information from, which we didn't even know, yeah. obviously, going into this, but it's obviously can work in your favor. If you can't see comps and it's a non-disclosure state and you, the lists aren't the best and things like that, it works in both ways because not every, that means no one can see it. Mm-hmm. So if you can dial it in and work and network with the right people, I mean, we, you were just on a Skype call on a Skype call with the area meeting that happens in Mississippi. Yeah. So we managed to get in there to meet everyone that's doing business in Mississippi through Skype, again, building buyers constantly. Yeah, and it was funny because while I was in there, of course, I had to do this introduction and about me and everything, but so I've gotten, I don't know how many texts and messages. I met another person that's interested in investing in Alabama. And then people are kind of telling me, just because I talk to them, kind of what's moving in Mississippi and what they're buying. And so I'm getting valuable information. I haven't sold them a property yet. Of course, I just put it in there yesterday. But, I mean, I will. Um, but it's just a matter of now I'm learning information because I can't get it electronically. You can't pull that data. So um, This is why I love this arrangement so much because Gavin – he doesn't have the time to do the networking that Melissa can do and that she's good at. You see how we're playing here? Like Melissa's working at what she's good at. Gavin is working what he's good at. And it's, you know, that's where this, this, that's why and how this works is because we're looking for that person that is strong at what you're weak at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I've always said, stop trying to fix your weaknesses, outsource them instead. Right? Get someone else to do those things that you're not good at. And um, you, some of you may on this listening to this, you may have the money to invest in marketing, but you're not good at talking to sellers. And some of you may be good at talking to sellers, but you don't have the money to do the marketing. And so find those people and start working with them together. Yeah. And the catch is, is we had the money to market. I like talking to people. We didn't know what to do with it once we got it, which is where Gavin came in with the systems. Cause so we were missing that third part. So had money to put into it. I can talk to people all day. I'm good at that. But the automation of it and knowing how to do it and the systems and Podio and how to do the follow-up and and track all of that, I was clueless. So we were you've got to have all of it. Because I, I believe sorry Joe, carry on. This is a question about whether the properties that we're wholesaling are vacant or not. He says, I'm presuming that your buyers want the property vacant. Do you ever have problems with squatters or ranchers that won't leave? And how do you deal with that? Uh, yeah, my I like to um, have vacant properties. That is, that's what I like. Doesn't always work out that way, but I learned the hard way that if you're going to move occupied properties, you need a lease in place. You need rent rolls. No one's going to want to buy a property with an occupant in there that does not have a lease because you can't get them out without spending a lot of money. And they don't want a bad renter in there. So they're going to want some print, uh, proof of rent. Um, so those two things are really important. So if I call and I have a problem, I'm talking to one now in Mississippi. Called him this morning. His sister's in there. He wants to sell me the property. We agreed on a price. And I said, when is your sister moving? He's like, she's got to move. I said, she's either got to move or pay rent. Like, she can't stay 
Yeah, well, how much is her rent going to be? And I told him, I, can she afford that rent? I don't know. Well, we'll call her. I need to know if she can afford that rent. She's going to go under a lease or she's got to move out. It's It's got to be one of the two because you can't move a property with somebody living in there that's not going to pay rent, not under a lease. Because in Alabama, it costs three to $5,000 to get somebody out in maybe six months. I mean, it's a terrible process here. Wow. Yeah, it's awful. And I have a squatter on one property now and did not know it until I sent Jeremy out to the property to look at it. He nearly didn't come back. <laughs> yeah, I was, it was terrible. He called, Jeremy called me when he left and he heard the guy cock the shotgun <laughs> when Jeremy was trying to come in the door. And of course, I was like, oh my God, Jeremy, I don't want to get you murdered. Like, don't do that anymore. We didn't know there was a squatter in there. And so I called my seller and I was like, we have a little bit of a problem. Somebody's living in the property. So guess what? We're going to put that on hold until you get them out. And he's working on getting them out now. When he gets them out, we'll sell it. That's fine. But yeah, we don't. If anybody's in there, they've got to have a lease and got to have proof of rent. Good. All right. Any other questions, guys? We only have about five minutes left. Um, we have a question from Andre about rent credits for lease options. Let me just answer that real quick, Andre. Uh, for rent credits and lease options. All rent credits are their seller concessions that go towards closing costs when, if and when the tenant buyer buys the home in one or two years. So when I'm making my offer to the seller, I don't even worry about rent credits. If I offer rent credits to the buyer, I bump the price up to cover that. One more question here uh, from Gary. Uh, do you help the seller do the eviction if it comes to that? No. Okay. Not my job. I will tell you one time I had a seller where the house was, did have a tenant in there. And we just negotiated a lower price. And I, 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 I let the seller know that I'm going to try to market this contract. I'm not making any promises that I'm going to close. But because the price was so low, we were able to sell it. And that buyer who bought it knew that he had a bad tenant in the house, but it was such a good deal, he couldn't pass it up. Yeah. So you can still wholesale deals with tenants in them, but you got to make sure the price is right. There's a price that every single home will sell for. Yeah. Um, just find out what that is. No, that's true. All right. So um, we, we have some questions we're going to answer from Podio that people submitted. Melissa, you can hang around if you want. It only take five, 10 minutes. Okay. You might even have some answers for us. That'll be nice. But I'm going to go through these real quick. These are questions that people asked in advance in Podio. And uh, I'm going to go through them real quick. This is from Jerry. In FreedomSoft, is there a way to limit virtual assistants' access to your information as they enter data? I'm not an expert in FreedomSoft, but I'm 90% sure there is. You can assign a lead to a category, and then the category levels where you have the restrictions. So you can say only people have these people have access to these categories. Um, and that's how you would handle that. But you just go to, uh, go to FreedomSoft's help desk and ask them. Another question from Jerry. I noticed you copying multiple separate lines of data from listings in Redfin to paste into FreedomSoft database. How did you do that versus going back and forth, copying and pasting? Oh, okay. So what, you, what he's talking about, I do this a lot, um, and a lot of people ask about this. There's, I have an extra app that I bought for my Mac. It's called Clipboard History. And you should get into, you should check this out, Walter. It's called Clipboard History, Clipboard History. And you can copy and paste, you can copy a bunch of things and it puts that in the menu. And then when you go to paste your stuff, you're pasting it from that menu. So you can, I hope that makes sense, but it's a, and every different computer has those different kinds of apps. And if you're on an Apple, Clipboard history is what I like to use. So I can, I have, if I go to my clipboard history, I have 50 things. The last 50 things that I copied are in my clipboard history. And I can now go to my other fields and just paste whatever one I want. All right, I think that answers that question. Um, and another question from Peter. How do I add virtual assistants? acquisition managers and other people in my office to Podio without being charged $24 for each of them. 
this is really important and I'll let Sheila correct me. When you sign up for your Podio account, it needs to be with a company domain. You can have unlimited external users when, if you have a, um, if you sign up for your Podio account with like a company domain and not Gmail or Yahoo, and you need to request, there's, there's some kind of, you have to submit a request to get that feature unlocked. Is that right? Yeah, you, if you go to help desk, like if you go to help in Podio and, and uh, do a search for external users, unlimited external users, you have to submit a support ticket to Podio and they're really good at responding to it, but they just wanna make sure that your main account is a, has a company domain. So it could just be you, but you can make everybody else an external user. You have to request that. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, send a support ticket to us at support at joemccall.com. And there's a link somewhere in Podio where it tells you how to submit a support ticket. You just kind of have to dig through it and submit a support ticket to them. If that makes sense. We're going to get more information on how to include pictures in our postcards and letters as shown in the videos. Peter, good question. Um, in the module that was released Tuesday, um, actually is released Wednesday, I apologize. There is a section in there and I, it would take me a few minutes to find it. I have a video uh, in the mind map, look in the mind map, there's a, a link to a Google doc where I go through the step-by-step on how to do that click to mail integration features where you put a picture of the house in the click to mail postcard or the letter. And um, it would take me like five to 10 minutes to look for it right now. And we got all these people on the coaching call, but um, it is in the module that was released yesterday. Um, so check that out. And if you can't find it still, let us know and I'll, I'll, I'll dig in it and look for it. Um, Peter's asking a question here. Gavin uses Skype for the VAs to make calls from the Philippines to the U.S. and pays $175 a month. I'm not, what is that, Gavin? Is that the cost of Skype or the cost of the VA? No. Um, the cost of the, of the Mojo is $150 a month, but I pay $25 extra so I can listen to the recordings. And okay. the Skype is the number that they will dial into Mojo. So it's not the number that will show up on the caller ID of the seller, but they need a Skype account. It's $3 a month to get them a, a, um, a Skype number. And as long as they've got Wi-Fi, they just log on through their Skype number that you can create or they'll create their own and link that to Mojo. So it's $3 for Skype, 150 if you're using the triple dialer. And if you want the feature of recordings, which I would recommend because that's how you're going to know how the VA is doing. And if you need to make any changes, that's the only cost that you will have. And let me say $275 a month is not too expensive. And maybe if you have no money, I get it. It is. But on average, we're spending, Gavin, what, $500 per, in marketing per deal that we're doing? Yeah. Is that right? Under. Yeah, just under. For Alabama, just under. If Mississippi, if we get five deals closed, we'll be at... It would be ridiculous. So, guys, listen closely here. On average in St. Louis, and St. Louis is a good normal market. I was just talking to one of our biggest wholesalers in St. Louis. He's paying $2,000 on average in marketing per deal. I have friends in San Diego, Nashville, Tennessee, Denver, Colorado, that are spending five to $10,000 in marketing per deal. If you want to do deals, 175 a month for Mojo is not too expensive. That is a steal. And uh, you're going to also have to pay for getting the list and skip tracing it. But like that, that's included. In the, and what we're telling you is $500 of marketing per deal. That includes the VA. That includes this, the list and the skip tracing and Mojo. Yeah, everything. I mean, we did. I don't, don't quote me on this, but it was about six, probably six and a half thousand dollars to bring the gross profit over a hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, normally in marketing, it'd be like 40,000. Okay. All right, Melissa, thank you so much. We sure thank appreciate you. you. Yes. We, we appreciate you. We appreciate you sharing all of your uh, information and uh, being an open book. Gavin, thank you. Right, thanks, Joe. Appreciate it, Melissa. Thank thanks. you so much. All right. We'll see you guys thanks, later. Guys.